The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. We've got a terrific show for you today. We've got two very interesting authors who have very different subject matter to talk about, yet both are interesting, as I mentioned, and informative. Uh, First, we've got Raj Venkatesan. He's written a book with a fellow by the name of Jim Lisinski, his partner, and uh, it's called The AI Marketing Canvas, a five-stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence in marketing. And it's, you know, it's a subject that's on everybody's mind. Uh, it's on the tip of our tongue. We all talk about AI and it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and it's here in many ways. And it's just like, you know, when the internet came out, it's not going away. And as soon as people figure out how to make money from it, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And believe me, AI will make money and save a lot of money in other areas also. It's going to change the way we live, just as the internet has. We've also got a relationship expert. Her name is Marcia Naomi Berger, and she's got a book called Marriage Minded, an A to Z dating guide for lasting love. And we're going to talk about how to go from single to happily ever after and a lot of tips and really common sense guidance in terms of uh, how people can find love, particularly in this tricky time right now, and keep love and maintain love. And it's a, it's a topic that never goes out of style. And it seems like dating gets tougher and tougher for a lot of folks. And you always think that, you know, shouldn't dating be a fun sport? Shouldn't it be fun to get to learn about somebody? Shouldn't it be fun to have a little mystery so dates don't become interviews? But there's so much information we've got to get out of the way when we're going to be considering getting into a relationship with somebody today in our complicated world that sometimes we forget how simple, you know, love should be and can be, even though it's a many splendid thing. We want it to, we want, we don't want to be thinking too much. We want to be feeling. So guys, guys, radio, terrific show for you today. So what's been going on out there? Well, we just got through Thanksgiving and all of the holiday travel and we made it. And I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. It's different for me because I, stopped eating meat about 12 years ago and I stopped drinking alcohol a year ago, even though I had done it for a year and for other increments uh, in the past, but I just cut it out of my life altogether. Not that it was an issue, it's just something I felt for my well-being. It was, I didn't need it. And um, that was a good decision, as was stopping eating meat for me. I'm not saying what anybody else should do, but these things worked for me. However, it stinks on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving's all about eating turkey and the stuffing and 
in my household, when I grew up, we'd have raviolis, and then we'd have the turkey, and then we'd have uh, all kinds of stuff, and the stuffing had meat in it and everything, and I, I loved meat, and I loved a good juicy cheeseburger and a porterhouse steak and a glass of really terrific Cabernet Sauvignon, but you know what? There's other things to do, and so Thanksgiving has has become a, a little bit of a different experience eating-wise, but it's all about visiting with the family, and a lot of times, you know, we only get to see the family a couple of times a year, and sometimes the first time, at least in many months, we get to see everybody is at Thanksgiving. With the advent of technology, for, fortunately now we can do Zoom or FaceTime and with the, you know, curtails for a lot of the travel and the issues with that, a lot of people just called in. So I called my family in New Jersey on FaceTime and got to say hi to everybody and I make sure I FaceTime with my mom once a week and make sure everybody's okay. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you enjoyed the football games if you watch football. We'll get three now. We get the lowly Detroit Lions. Unfortunately, they, they, they've been having a tough go of it for the past, I don't know how many years. And then we've got America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. And it seems like they lose every year on Thanksgiving now. And then there's a night game. So wall-to-wall football, if that's your interest on Thanksgiving. So now we turned the corner. We got through Black Friday. And it was interesting with Black Friday this year because... Last year, it was like everything, 40% off, Black Friday, right through the end of the year. And I'm finding and seeing that this year, there's more Black Friday, and it's not necessarily on Black Friday. A lot of the Black Friday started like Monday of Thanksgiving week, and it just keeps going. Uh, now it uh, gets up to Cyber Monday. We'll see what happens from there. But it doesn't seem like the discounts are quite as uh, deep Obviously, there's supply chain issues, so it's a lot of the same stuff that I think these uh, retailers and marketers are trying to get rid of uh, off the shelves before all the new stuff can get unloaded and everything's backed up, including vehicles, etc. And it's just tough to get stuff and new stuff. So hopefully that'll be all cleared out by uh, getting into next year. But until then, shop smart, support your local stores, and don't go crazy because... uh, People have, a, I think, a false sense of being wealthy now because the stock market has done so well. And if you're in that area, you, you have like, wow, I'm doing fantastic. I can't believe this. But you know what? It doesn't last forever. Things that go up come down. And then a lot of people are putting a little bit of money down for the low interest rates and they're buying homes that maybe maybe they can't completely afford. And uh, you know, when things get hairy, as they tend to do, then people can create real problems for themselves. So my point is just be smart, have fun, but be smart out there, folks. And happy holidays to everybody as we get closer and closer to that deep into the holiday season where we have all of the holidays like Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah. Uh, Happy Hanukkah to everybody out there who's Jewish. And uh, then we have all the other holidays that seem to fall towards the end of December. So Let's get on with the show. We've got, as I mentioned, two terrific guests. We're going to talk about AI. We're going to talk about relationships. So let's get it on. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, Guy's Guy's Radio. It's my favorite portion of this show. When I bring on a guest, it's going to teach me and all of you listeners and viewers out there, something new. And today we've got a really interesting subject. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence and who hasn't 
heard that term over the last couple of years is becoming more and more part of our, our lives now. So we've got an expert. His name is Raj Venkatesan, and he's written a book with his uh, partner, Jim Lesinski, and it's called The AI Marketing Canvas, a five-stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence in marketing. Let me tell you a little bit about Raj. We'll bring him out. He is the co-author of the book, AI Marketing Canvas. He's professor of business administration at the Darden Grad School of Business at the University of Virginia. His writings appeared in the Journal of Marketing, Harvard Business School Reviews, and he's the co-author of Marketing Analytics. It came out in 2021. Jim Lisinski, his partner, is a clinical associate professor of marketing at Northwestern. Kellogg School of Management, and he did a 12-year stint at Google. He was VP of Consumer Solutions. So listen, between these two gentlemen, they put together a book that it really truly is. I went through it, and I'm a marketer by profession. It's a true roadmap to how to kind of understand AI, understand the implications, and how to have a step-by-step plan to implement it and integrate it into your marketing mix. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Raj Venkatesan. Thank you, Robert, for having me here. It's a pleasure, and I look forward to our conversation. Okay, I'm sorry if I mangle your name. I'm doing the best I can. I always, I always do that. But anyhow, welcome. So let's start right at the beginning for uh, the benefit of our audience. What what exactly, based on the work you've done, how do you define AI, and what does it mean today, big picture, for today's marketers? Yeah, great question. Great start. Uh, So the question about what is AI is something we definitely dealt with a lot when we started writing this book because we had to define it and it's being used in many different ways now. And so for us, we took a definition that is more applicable for business leaders and marketers. And what we uh, felt is there is a definition by John McCarthy, who is considered the father of AI, modern AI. And his definition was anything that if if a machine does something that if done by humans would be considered intelligent, then it is AI. And which is kind of, you know, uh, what it includes is we are not focused on one particular technique or a way to do uh, AI, we are more focused on machines making decisions that, uh, you know, in general, if humans did it, it would be considered intelligent. So what is that? So it could be something as as like predicting customer churn. Mm -hmm. It could be recognizing images. Uh, If you say cat pictures, Google returns you cat pictures. Or if you have an app where with Google Lens, you could... uh, show the peer, like, you know, scan the picture and it knows what it is. The machine knows what it is. And then it can tell you where you can buy it on Amazon or text analysis to understand like what the sentiment of a review is. So those are some of the things where you're basically allowing the machine to uh, understand data and make decisions. So ultimately it's all about improving the customer experience for you say, forging an emotional connection with the consumer, which I'm, you know, I, I understand the connection. I think it's a communication connection. I don't know if it's an emotional connection, but when you're, I guess when you're helping out consumers, you, they become friendly to you. So is that, is that what you're referring to? How, what do you mean by emotional connection with consumers? Because coming from my background, which is advertising, you know, the ads that work, you can do what we call stratocution, where you just have all the bullet points that you need to get across there. That's usually false flat. You have to have a human story and you have to connect with the with the consumer. 
how how do you do that with AI? Yeah, so I definitely. So uh, yes, the first thing you talked about is definitely personalizing. That if you know what moves a customer to your product, you're focused on that, right? So for example, if somebody is looking at like for Chase Bank, if they're looking at like savings uh, as uh, returns as their uh, main reason for banking uh, and choosing a banking brand, then talking to them about savings and returns would be like the personalization that we are talking about. Now, how, and I agree with you that uh, you can have like all the keywords uh, collected into an ad and that is an ad, but it doesn't really connect emotionally. But what is AI is also getting into is um, music and video and words and the combination, how it influences people. And the behavior, right? To uh, actually know within 10 seconds or within 15 seconds in a video, what, how do you make it happen where there is a higher emotional uh, connection and also engagement with the brand? And so while those are not like at scale now, they are starting to do it. But we talk in the book about an example with, again, Chase Bank and where they decided to write the ad copy itself using machines, mainly because they wanted the machine, they wanted to create a connection with the consumers, which at scale was difficult online. And they had to allow the machine to write the campaign. And they actually saw good results from that. And you and there are a lot of uh, deep learning algorithms that are coming up, which can understand human emotions. And uh, yeah. I'm sure the agency was thrilled, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's no, like, it's, it's uh, like the yeah, not only the marketers are gonna be replaced, but the agencies too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they, you bring up a good point about replacement and fear of replacement, right? And more and more, I feel like where marketers need to go in this you know, is actually, there is this, uh, not in our book, but it's another uh, concept called when your predictions are improving, when your ability to make predictions increases, uh, the value of judgment improves. Like the, with the, the premium you put on judgment increases. So the, as marketers, our goal should then be about strategy and metrics and judgment and leave the predictions and the execution to machines. And I think the more we can learn that, we can ride this wave. Right? And, and, and it's really, I think what you're saying, Raj, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you know the, the goal isn't to replace people, it's to give people different roles because it yeah. should actually, if it, this is done correctly, it should create more jobs, more opportunities. Yeah. And just AI can do a lot of the heavy lifting, a lot of the grunt yeah. work and we, that, that's what you're saying, right? Yes, yes. And there's uh, the fascinating story about this is in Washington Post and how they used AI. Uh, they have AI now run uh, write articles where the articles are more standard articles on like, you know, reporting on a sports event or reporting on some election result. Uh, but those are standardized. But the beauty about this is that AI was trained by journalists because now the journalists can go and do what they wanted to always do, investigative, deep insight uh, stories and leave the standard stuff to the machine to do. 
That's a great point. That's a great point, Raj. My special guest is Raj Venkatesan. His book is called The AI Marketing Canvas, Five-Step Roadmap to Implementing AI in Marketing. So if you're a brand or a brand manager or a CMO, whatever, and you know that AI is not going away and you're going to have to get your arms around it, just like digital came in and some people resisted and others said, no, we've got to make this work for us. AI is, the to me, the next step on that journey. What are some of the things that marketers need to do first to say, okay, I need to survey the landscape. What do I need to know about my brand and AI and how we can best put a program together that fits my particular business? Because as you know, you've got B2B, you've got B2C, you've got tech companies, you've got financial services, you've got Coca-Cola, Starbucks. So you do CPG also. I'm wondering how it works for image brands, but like spirits or something like that, but we can get into it. But initially, regardless of your category, what should a marketer be considering when considering AI? Yeah, uh, so it starts with uh, what we call as understanding customer engagement is as a marketer and most and marketers know is like, okay, we have to acquire, retain, grow and promote word of mouth among our consumers, promote a customer community. And we are doing that already. And what we can do with AI is start personalizing each aspect of this customer engagement. And so where you begin is first document what you're doing for each of these customer engagement activities. Touch each touch point. Each touch point and what the objective is, right? Where What, what do you want as return? Uh, and then look at what data you have to understand and document these touch points, right? Like uh, when you call them, what was the message? What was the customer reaction? And so it's a customer-centric first-party data. And that's the first beginning point is developing the foundation layer of all the touch points that you have with your consumers. And then at some point you should say, okay, what do I want uh, AI to do for me strategically? You know, what is the objective? Not just that, obviously you're gonna, it's gonna be in, integrated into every brand that's out there, but you want it to have, a, I would think, some specific goals, whether it's consumer acquisition or uh, yeah. updating, upgrading the experience, making that bond, creating that, forging that bond, all yeah. of the above. Yes. So do you look at it first by based on your category and your specific usual business goals and say, how can AI be woven into this to make everything work better? Is that how you do yes. it? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So you're you once you have the data, then you're starting at like, okay, let me start with either acquisition, retention, growth, or advocacy, and like find out what we call as value pockets, basically the things that if you improve and personalize, consumers are going to value that. Because you can be doing many things where the consumers don't care about that, right. but understanding like, you know, what consumers care and provide, and do they want personalization in that? So that would be the first step to find out these value pockets and then use the data and try out some experiments where you can see uh, the returns, right? You have to first learn how to use it right. for your own context. You know, it's interesting because I remember when um, uh, digital came came up and it, first the internet came out and everybody's like, oh, wow, it's going to be free. This is great. And then that changed very quickly. As soon as somebody made a dollar, the mm -hmm. whole thing changed, right? But uh, many brands, many like consumer packaged goods brands, I remember Chester Cheeto, you know, the website and like nobody went there because 
as far as I know, because there was no reason to until they started to make it more of an engagement process. Is this the same kind of uh, perspective that marketers need to have when starting to uh, shake hands with AI, if you will? Because if you just do it for the sake of doing it, it's not real. You're not going to get the most bang for your buck. Absolutely. And also, if you have like the whole connection, because digital with and I'm like that you're going from digital to AI because it is an evolve. It is an evolution. Right. And with digital, you looked at how you can connect to their consumer digital and like collect data about their preferences. Now with AI, what you're doing is with collection of all this information, you're applying algorithms on top of that to make some kind of uh, uh, initiative, which is machine driven. So you can think of like if you are, you know, um, if you like if you're coca-cola what they did with like the vending machines because that was digitization of the whole process where they sell through retailers so they really don't know whether i'm coming back like whether i'm drinking coke every day or i drink water or uh, you know uh, mango juice or tea and so uh, but they need to know that because they can know my consumption right exactly. and so that's what they got with this uh, smart vending machine with the internet of things and like and where you can go in and mix and match your drink and guess what what they found was sprite cherry is the most popular drink mix that we make and that's what they brought in the retail store something they knew from our uh, uh, actions on the how did how, just out of curiosity so how did ai help with that because i would think if you had a vending machine and you know the sprite cherry sells out faster you can just track sales so what did yeah. the ai do to add to that so that's the beauty of it is like it's really just data right and it is for coke it was just something as and that is what we are trying to say in the book is we say ai as a lot of things and of course like with chase example and with washington post you saw this great like it's all machine driven writing but it can also be something as simple but have really powerful effects as just saying what is the one that we are running out of most oh this is the most popular let's bring it up and i think where they're going next is the power eight power center where they are starting to customize the combination of power eight drinks for football teams uh, college football teams they did it with the louisiana state where based on the particular uh, athlete and particular routine of exercise that day the coach can put in some information on what is happening and Coke uh, Powerade Power Center can recommend the correct combination of drink for that. Fantastic. Personalized. So you're getting your own version of Powerade. That's, yeah. that's, that's so cool. So let's, I want to, we were jamming on time and I want to get to the meat of your book, which is the five stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence, because that's really teaching marketers. Here's what you have to look at. And I think you guys did a fantastic job because the book is, you know, it's not about coding, as you say, it's really about marketing and strategy and how to use this. And it's very user friendly. And you've got a lot of great inf information there that makes perfect sense and is well-written. So thank you for that. But talk to us about the five steps. You've got foundation, experimentation, expansion, transformation, monetization. Take a few minutes and give us the overview on that, Raj. Yeah, definitely. So let's take the Coke example itself, right? So when we look at uh, Coke, um, you had the foundation where you can look at the smart vending machine was the way where they laid the foundation for data collection, 
from the smart vending machines. Then the next one was their first initiative was actually uh, not even knowing what's Sprite Cherry, but basically ensuring there is no stockouts. So you know which place to stock what kind of flavor. So that was the first thing about retention. You're personalizing based on the different locations, the retention. Then that is the experimental shade. You're seeing some returns. Then you go into expansion where they went after this uh, Sprite Cherry where they saw that there is this value. And so they went after expansion. Then the fourth stage was uh, transformation where all aspects of AI um, thing is uh, personalized, all aspects of customer. And that's where they started building apps to uh, where you can connect with your consumer friends and pre-send the order to a vending machine if you're going out for uh, hanging out and you can get the co-vending machine to pre-order and connect with your friends and get their preferences and order for them as well. That creates a customer community. And finally, the Powerade Power Center example is where they take all of these uh, uh, capabilities and create a new business stream that creates a new monetization stream. And that's what we saw with the Powerade Power Center. You know, I really loved what you did with uh, Starbucks in terms of breaking that down, because unlike Coke, you know, Coke CPG, it's a beverage, but uh, Starbucks is more transactional. So it could mirror even financial services or some other or B2B, whatever. It's transactional. And that's what business is all about. Could you just give us the highlights of how Starbucks has successfully done this? Because I was blown away when I read your timeline about all the all the steps that an evolution that Starbucks keeps not only started early, kept, kept taking and continue to just refine, refine, refine. It was brilliant. It was wonderful, wasn't it? We were fascinated too. And like 20 million almost consumers at the time of the book, it was probably 18.9, but I'm sure it's close to 20 now. But uh, that was the loyalty program was first time was the app was started, which was the foundation of data collection. And the payment systems was the first time you need payments because that gets consumers to use the app. And so then if you connect the payment systems, now you have enough transaction information as well. And then that connects into uh, personalized recommendations. And now they are now, and they're also doing Deep Brew, which is giving a platform for other retailers to tap into Starbucks. So they've gone from loyalty programs to payments to in-store operations to work well with the baristas and the loyalty programs and personalized recommendations to a platform where other retailers can tap into their expertise. And so it's it's another example and of awesome. all and, those five pieces. The thing that blew me away was they, they this is how they learned also about people were uh, calling in their orders ahead of time, yeah. how they could take advantage of that opportunity for the baristas yeah. and everybody else. And it just makes the consumer experience better also. So everybody's happy. You're not antagonized. Yeah. It's not like I'm, I'm in a hurry. I got to get my coffee. I'm late for work, whatever. Boom, you go in there, you pick it up. They even have some recommendations, maybe some specials based on your past preference. So great stuff. And you guys have done an amazing job with this. Let me ask you uh, just a philosophical question. When we get into micro-targeting and even with AI, do we, do we run the risk as a culture to start developing people in a very one-dimensional way? Like somebody's online and they look at cars and then you try to sell them tires and then it's wrestling or, or whatever, but everything's very close in like profiling and people hopefully are going to become more and more multidimensional. Do we do, is there anything that 
that marketers miss because of micro-targeting that AI can solve? Great question. And it's a tough one. Definitely a tough question because this is something I'm really actually after the book really thinking about it as well because what you're asking is like the externalities of if everybody does this what happens and i think that there are two things here one is what we are looking at is first party data which means we are primarily looking at uh, a non-ad intensive environment where you're looking at a loyalty program or something where you're paying a subscription service per se if you were Right. But of course, there are ad uh, intensive environments and you want to be careful on how much you're doing this kind of uh, uh, targeting and whether there are consequences for like humans and development as such. And I think some of the initiatives on privacy is important here and also um, some understanding, I think, as society of how we consume media is important. I think whenever there is new technology and new medium that is coming in, it goes through waves where there is first excitement and then where there is scare, there are, you realize the negative consequences and then you come up with systems and like you know guardrails in there to be better able to manage this system. So definitely I think uh, if everybody does it, yes, that can be really a pr- challenging situations and you kind of have to see uh, regulation wise or as a public policy wise how we understand uh, this world in terms of like you know and well, I wanted to get asked the question because I want to see if smart people like yourself who are uh, thought leaders in this area are considering this and I'm so pleased by your answer that you are I there's no easy solution to it and we don't want to develop one-dimensional people but you know, you got to make your number every quarter. So these things kind of, I guess, flesh out over time, right? They have a life, brands, as you know, Raj, they have a life of their own. So, you know, when this, you can do everything you can do, but ultimately sometimes a consumer connects to something, whether it's an ad line or just something about the product or a new use or whatever. And then, then you have to say, oh, whoa, well, how do I use all my tools, digital and AI to leverage that, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's where competition is important, because even if you are getting one dimensional as a consumer, you it also, as long as you have the lines of competition open, you can have a new brand that is coming up, which is kind of, you know, trying to move you away from your equilibrium into uh, to attract you away from your equilibrium. Right. So you want to that's the key is you need to have competition and the ability for new brands to come in and attract consumers. Great, great stuff. And that's why I ask this also because for Guys Guys Radio, we want to bring new ideas, new thinking, and considerations for how men and women can both win and everybody lives their best lives. We bring new information here. So we want to be responsible with our with our technology. And I think you're doing a great job. The name of the book is AI Marketing Canvas, a five-step roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence and marketing. My very special guest, Raj Venkatesan. And I'm sorry I keep saying it probably incorrectly, but Tell us, Raj, where everybody can find more about you, about Jim, your writing partner, and about the book and the work you're doing. Uh, so we both are on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect you uh, with you on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon.com. Uh, we also have a website, AIMCbook.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, looking forward to uh, n- your new connections and uh, spreading the message. You did a great job. You've actually 
And I think it's a really good thing. You put a human touch to the whole AI thing. And I think that's really important. So keep doing the great work you're doing, Raj. And thank you for being my guest on Guys Guys Radio. And keep us in mind. We'll do it again. Thank you for having me. It was a great pleasure. It's Guys Guy Radio. All right, Guys Guys Radio. Another cool person to help me out and help our listeners out in terms of what's going on in the world and how they can improve their lives. So my very special guest is Marsha Naomi Berger. And we're going to talk about her book, Marriage Minded, an A to Z Dating Guide for Lasting Love. But let me set that up first. You know, a lot of times we ask ourselves, what are the benefits of being married, especially in today's world? Things are changing so much and it's so easy to date and swipe left and swipe right. And what are some of the insights and strategies? How do we develop long lasting relationships? How to get the most out of dating? Things are so crazy now and we've you know been away from each other with the pandemic for a couple of years. So people are just learning how to say hi and fist bump again. Um, uh, how do we define and communicate our deal breakers when we do have a, a new relationship? Uh, the importance of self-confidence, and also how do we kind of keep the fun? Because after all, dating should be a fun sport. So let me tell you a little bit about Marsha Naomi Berger. She is an MSW and LCSW. She leads dynamic marriage and communication workshops, and she's a popular speaker at conferences, a clinical social worker uh, with a private psychotherapy practice. She's taught continued education classes for therapists at the University of California, Berkeley Extension, Alliant International University and for various professional associations. Um, she lives in Marin County with her husband of 33 years, and she gives their weekly marriage meetings major credit for making a lasting happiness together and it's inspired her to write her first book, The Best Selling Marriage Meetings for Lasting Love. Affirming the Universal Need for Loving Relationships, Marriage Minded, the new book, An A to Z Dating Guide for Lasting Love, makes wanting to be married a valid choice and worthwhile goal for smart, smart, strong, and independent women of all ages and for the guys who respect and appreciate them. And I'm one of those guys because one, I, I love the work that uh, Naomi is doing. And secondly, I got married later in life. So we're going to have an interesting conversation. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Naomi Berger. Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> so here we are. So I guess the first question is marriage. Um, has it become outdated? Uh, I don't think marriage is outdated at all. I think it's as uh, beneficial as it always was when people know how to do it right, basically. Um, I think marriage has changed a lot in the last 67 years. It used to be almost an economic necessity for women who wanted to have a middle-class lifestyle, and uh, that's changed a lot. Women get good jobs now, and a third of them out earn their husbands, and uh, also uh, it's changed in that people don't have to be married to live together and even have children with societies okay. Uh, and so there's a different reason people are going to get married now. Uh, whether they know it or not, they're looking for emotional and spiritual fulfillment. Of course, we want to have the material, the physical, sexual part. But what's missing in the when people say it's outdated, these are people who have been disappointed because their often unconscious expectations were not fulfilled. They might not have chosen their partner wisely, uh, or they don't have the skills to gain the kind of relationship that they truly want deep down inside. 
Let's talk about that a little bit. What are some of the things that um, uh, couples, new couples, should establish as they begin a relationship? Let's say they've gone out on a date or two and they're starting to like say, okay, I think I can hang with this person for a while. What, what do they need to talk about? What are some of the things that they need to have a, a transparency about? Okay, well, on an early date, it's about, like you said, just having fun and see where it goes. Uh, so a, a good thing to talk about, to learn about what somebody's interests are, if there's enough compatibility, could be what do you do for fun? How do you relax? Uh, what kind of music do you like? I mean, all these things, it, it doesn't have to be a, an exact match for sure, but you want to get a general sense of the person. Are you comfortable just hanging out? Because, okay, you have a lot of fun dating. You go to a lot of places when you're married. I hope you still have dates, weekly dates. I advocate a lot. Uh, and then don't think so much about whether you both like to ski. I mean, I like to ski. My husband does not. Uh, but you work these things out if the big picture is good. It sounds like that the having shared values is something that's paramount in terms of uh, an ingredient for a successful relationship. Is that true, Naomi? That is true. Yes, exactly. Very, very important. Shared values, which you don't know right away. And if you get involved too quickly, say you get into the physical part right away, um, these are the marriages where that don't tend to last because they don't Sometimes they do, you know, if it happens that they're lucky and they do have shared values, but they may not know that uh, at first. And then they get blinded by the hormones. A lot of times um, people who haven't been have been out of the dating world or they've had a bad relationship or they come out of a, a bad divorce, they uh, start to, you know, they create a list of uh, things that they want in a partner. And uh, what I have experienced from talking to a lot of professionals in the area is that sometimes that list gets pretty long. And we have to kind of <laughs> narrow it down. It's almost like yeah. the longer you haven't been dating, the longer the list grows. But we really have to narrow it down to some of the must-haves. What, what would be your uh, take on that, Naomi? Yes, I have seen that. I've done workshops called Marry with Confidence, workshops for women. And I actually have them make three lists. And the first one is the one that you mentioned. Uh, that is, uh, what am I looking for? The second one is what do I contribute? You know, what's a potential partner going to appreciate about me? So we have to know that we have value too. And then the third list is the list that says what areas, how can I grow? Five ways where a potential spouse would approve or appreciate, appreciate um, if I got a little better at whatever, you know, showing up on time or um, speaking more respectfully, whatever it is. So. Uh, so the first list that you mentioned, very, very important. You, you said it in a good way. You separate what you want from what you need. There's an expression, nobody dies getting more than half of what they want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But what you need, that's what's going to be the crucial thing to have somebody in your life. You want ideally you want to have a lifelong partner, relationship, soulmate, and you're going to meet each another's each other's essential needs. And I notice sometimes people put, especially if you have too long a list, a lot of superficial things. He has to be so tall. He has to be a certain age, have a certain occupation. Uh, those are not the things that lead to a lasting, fulfilling marriage. It's, it's how you really communicate. Uh, and a lot of people leave out kindness. And I think kindness, wow, kindness is just so 
crucial. So I, I look for that when people make a list. And I say, hey, is that important to you? And the name of the book is Marriage Minded, an A to Z Dating Guide for Lasting Love. And what uh, the fun thing about the book is it starts with the letter A and it goes right through the alphabet. And it's got a lot of very um, digestible sound bites in there. I think you did a great job where anybody can just flip to a page on a specific word and, and get something out of it. So nicely done there. Uh, Naomi, let's let's talk about what I perceive to be a uh, widening chasm in communication and understanding between men and women. About 10 years ago, I published my novel, A Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And it's it's about uh, it's really a peek behind the curtain into the lives of modern men. And it's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. And I wrote the book because I thought there was a chasm in communication and understanding between men and women. And the reason I bring that up now is because I think the canyon and the chasm has grown <laughs> wider in the last decade. What are your thoughts on that? Why, why, why do we have this and what can be done about it? My first thought is it's um, this addiction to communicating by texting uh, and by uh, emailing where you're missing so much of the communication And yeah, men and women do tend to communicate differently. It's not that one's better than the other. They're just different. And and we can really grow by uh, working with the differences and recognizing how complementary they can be. Complementary meaning that uh, they kind of help each other. I'm not saying compliment like um, expressing appreciation, but it, it is a feeling of appreciation when we find that we do fit together and that our differences actually enhance our relationship because. Together, we can uh, grow more and learn more and do more than we can do alone. How about um, when sometimes with the, with the ladies, they, they'll feel like, I see potential in this guy. I'm going to have to shape him a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah. like another word for bringing out the best of him. And that, there's nothing wrong with that because I think women are a, a lot more aware than men in many ways because guys, being a guy, we're more lone wolves. We don't talk about relationships with our friends you know, we'll we'll watch sports, we'll play golf, we'll do stuff. And if there's an issue, it's a real issue, we might confide in our best friend or say, hey, I'm getting a divorce or, hey, I met somebody that's really important to me. But we don't get into some of the details where it seems like, you know, if you watch the TV show, Sex and the City, they're talking about four ladies are talking about everything. And uh, guys don't roll that way necessarily. What, what are your thoughts on the how uh, men and women communicate with each other and with the opposite sex? Okay, well, with each other, there's been a lot of research on that. Deborah Tannen wrote a book called, oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called now. I think You Just Don't Understand, I think it's the name of her book. And uh, and she writes about how, how different ways men and women communicate, and, and which can be the source of a lot of misunderstandings if we're blaming it on the person rather than biology. <laughs> uh, and uh, men, like you said, they're close friends. Uh, they talk about sports and uh, somebody made a joke of if they're really getting intimate, they talk about the weather. How how do we then what can um, what can both sexes do to to uh, use their differences to make the communication to the opposite sex better to turn it into a positive? Right. And in, in a good relationship, each person is being herself or himself and. When that happens, if a woman is being empathic and using her relationship skills, I do believe it it does rub off on the man and then he gets better at it and and he benefits from it. Uh, Even if he doesn't become like a a super duper communicator, he's becoming more sensitive and he's appreciating 
that he is on the receiving end, that he's gaining the sensitivity from his uh, the woman that he's dating or is involved with or married to him. Okay, my special guest is Naomi Berger. Her book is Marriage Minded, the A to Z Dating Guide for Lasting Love. Let's get into some other topics. I'm having fun with this. Let's talk about money. Um, a lot of times with relationships, it becomes this like time bomb, this hidden time bomb where you know people could have joint uh, checking accounts or they could do it separately. And then there's uh, occasionally there's a surprise. I didn't know you were 80,000 in debt. Well, I didn't know you had this much money, you know, and, and it becomes like, wow, because when you're in a relationship, a serious relationship or marriage, everything's connected, whether you keep it separate or not. How, mm-hmm. how can people, how can couples ma- manage that? Yeah, I love talking about money uh, because it, it can mean different things to different people. And sometimes it's a smokescreen for control. You know, if, if I'm going to be in charge of all the money, then I make the decisions. Uh, sometimes, often, probably most often, it's the smokescreen about feeling loved. If he's not willing to share his money with me or if he's not willing to spend this much on something that I want, um, that means he doesn't love me. And they're going to go back and forth about money. But the real issue is, um, am I feeling cared for? Okay. Um, sex. Oh, can I say more about that? Please. Okay that this business you mentioned about the surprise, I didn't know you had that much money, it could be that little money or that you're way, way in debt. Uh, these things should be discussed before getting married and because it, it could be deal breakers. And um, so, so again, you, know, you, you prepare, be proactive and find out uh, what you would be getting into before you make a very big life altering decision. Okay, uh, sex. How important is it? And once you're in a uh, long-term relationship or a marriage, how important is it? Does it become, or does it take a back seat, or does it always stay right up front? Uh, okay. Well, there's what it does and what it should do. Okay. Ideally, it stays up front when you're married. And uh, what was the other part of it that you asked me? How important is it? How important? Basically, oh, just how important, important is it? It's, it's yeah. important. <laughs> sex is sex is like I, I think of it as the glue that holds couples together um, once they're ma- after they're married um, before marriage it's can happen when people or it happens when people want it to happen uh, the research is that the longer people wait the better the relationship is in the long run once they're married got it okay the name of the book is marriage minded an a to z dating guide for lasting love my special guest naomi berger lcsw Please tell um, us about where we can find a, more about you, about your uh, book. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm Marsha Naomi Berger. My book okay. is called uh, Marriage Minded, an A to Z Dating Guide for Lasting Love. Oh, and just because you asked about LCSW, it means Licensed Clinical Social Worker, which is a license to provide psychotherapy. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Okay. And uh, where you can find my book? Uh the usual online places. I love independent bookstores, so I'm very happy if you choose one where you get the book or you can go online. There's a, a company called Bookshop, and they somehow connect your purchase to the independent bookstore. I think the one near you, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but that's a relatively new place to get books. And you can ask your local bookstore for it. And uh, so you, you can get just about anywhere. I'd love it. I love it to be in all the libraries, too. Fantastic. Well, listen, it's a great book. It's a lot of fun. It's easy to read, yet it's chock full of useful information. I want to thank you for being on the show. Naomi Berger, great job. 
pleasure to meet you. Best of luck with the book. Thank you so much, Robert. Thanks for having me here. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, fascinating conversations with Marsha Naomi Berger and Raj Venkatesan about AI and about marriage-minded, about relationships. So what did we learn today? I think we learned from Raj about AI that is here to stay and the, the sharp marketers are, are getting ahead of the curve and making sure they know how to integrate AI to making the, uh, the consumer experience smoother and easier, which I think is very smart. Um, you know, when you're dealing with things like retargeting, as we talked about, you know, you, have, you keep getting the same uh, uh, ads pop up based on your, your scrolling, your surfing, your purchases, and sometimes it thinks like what, what you've been talking about or even what you've been thinking. Does that create dull people because they just keep giving you the same stuff over and over again? I, I, I don't think it's a good thing. I think it does create dull people because it just keeps feeding you more of what you said you're interested in. And that's good in a way, but you want to open up and be open to new stuff too. So be careful with AI. It's going to change the way we live. Definitely from driverless cars and driverless trucks and driverless trains and all kinds of stuff. It's going to eliminate a lot of jobs. It's going to create new jobs and it's just going to change our day to day. So just beware and, uh, and you'll be better off because the same thing that happened with the internet. People dismissed it at first or didn't think it could, you could make money on it. It's all for free. It's all great. And then people started making money on it and it really changed things. And you think about who were the big companies 30 years ago and who are they now? It's very different. So, and a lot of that was driven by online. Look at, uh, you know, between Google and Amazon and Facebook. Wow, they didn't even exist. So, what did we learn from Marsha Naomi Berger about marriage-minded and going from single to happily ever after? Well, according to Marsha, any woman who wants to marry can once she knows how. And uh, her book is packed with a lot of great tips, a lot of common sense about how to... Uh, assess yourself, how to assess your potential partners, and how do you move forward step by step in, a, in the mo- dating minefield that's out there right now. I can't get into like every single tip out there, but I think what we need to do and kind of what we talked about today with Marsha is you have to have an open mind. You have to uh, try to maintain the fun and the mystery when you're dating. You have to uh, you know do your qualifying uh, ahead of time if there's some deal breakers um, then you know, don't just go out on a dinner date because somebody's going to buy you dinner. Just make sure that the person is in that kind of same universe as you are in terms of values and how you think and how you treat people. And if, uh, they, if it's a good feel and if your gut says, yeah, then uh, go with it and see where it takes you. But um, you got to be smart, but you want to stay, you want to stay romantic. And that's important even once you get into a relationship. And I can tell you from my own experience, Making sure you keep a little bit of that romance going once you're married goes a long, long way. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio here in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The show rebroadcasts on KCAA every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. The worldwide podcast and my YouTube host everywhere on Thursday. So obviously you can catch the YouTube is the interviews of the show and the podcast at KCA is the complete show with my opening and closing comments. And the podcast is on just about every platform you could think of. So 
It's no excuse not for you to be able to find Guys Guys Radio in one form or another. And I thank you. And if you like the content and you like the guests I'm bringing you, like the work we're doing here, please support me and support the show by subscribing to my YouTube. Just go to Robert Manny. That's the name of the channel. We call it Guys Guys TV. And also my, uh, you can subscribe on Apple to the podcast. And then you just listen whenever you want. You know, if you subscribe on YouTube, that doesn't mean you have to, you're going to, you know, it's going to interfere with you. It's just going to be there. So all the episodes are right there for you. So I hope you'll do that and check it out and support me because I'm bringing a lot of great information. We're heading towards our 500th show and we've interviewed over 600 people and I've learned a lot. And hopefully if you're a listener out there, you've learned some stuff also. You can also catch me on my website, robertmanni.com. I've got over 300 blog posts and new ones going up this week, which is about how to get unstuck, which I think is an issue for a lot of a lot of guys, over time, they get set in their ways, as we all know. And uh, I think it's important uh, for people to stay open. And I'm finding that you know, women are a lot more open-minded than guys. And uh, guys need to do more work in that area, me included. Also, you can download three free chapters to my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, on the website. And then you can pick it up wherever you want. It's a story of two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. So thank you so much to uh, my wonderful guests today, uh, Marsha and Raj, and thank you for, uh, to Chris for doing such a wonderful job as my producer, and thank you most of all, my listeners and viewers and my audience as we continue to grow Guys Guys Radio. We'll see you next week, and until then, as I always like to say, Guys Guys, finish first.